Would you open your Bibles, please, to Matthew, <clears throat> sixth chapter? Matthew, the sixth chapter. And pray for me as I try to bring to you the message of God. I feel so unworthy of the care and prayer and love and support you've shown me these last weeks with my illness. And I just want you to know I appreciate it with all my heart. And as I mentioned a while ago, I've had time to spend alone with God and I've asked God to deal more with my heart and to make me more faithful to Him more committed to his purpose and will and more yielded to, to the word of God and to the will of God. I know that this voice is very, very gruff and I've asked Ben to be on standby. If I just can't finish, he'll come up here and finish in a few moments. So pray for me, please. I come to you in physical weakness in spiritual need and asking God to do something in our church. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege <clears throat> of being in this place of God today. Thank You for the beautiful songs and all that has gone in to make this an hour of beauty and an hour when we can meet with Thee. We humbly petition Thee to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to make us aware that only in Christ do we have any position at all, and that it is only as a sinner saved by grace. God bless this great people. Meet every need as we humble ourselves in Thy presence and ask for the moving power of God upon this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6 a very important prayer. Would you look at verse 9 and pray this with us all together? We often call this the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> it is actually the model prayer. It is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say, here's how to pray. He just taught us to pray and these are some elements. But there's one element in this prayer that has the key to revival, I believe. Would you pray this with me? In Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You'll notice the one petition that is repeated twice in these sections 
found in verse 12, 14, and 15. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 443 years ago yesterday, Martin Luther died. One of the great preachers and revivalists, the man who led in the Reformation. 425 years ago yesterday, Michelangelo, the great spiritual artist who painted those beautiful portraits and pictures on the Sistine Chapel ceiling, lying on his back for 12 years painting. Michelangelo, one of the great men of God of past years. 311 years ago, John Bunyan published Pilgrim's Progress probably the greatest book that ever hit the English-speaking world other than the Bible. And God used it to challenge and touch the minds and lives of thousands and thousands of Christians across the world with an impetus to go on with God and to serve Him and love Him and live for Him. 420 years ago today, Miles Coverdale died. Coverdale was the man who brought revival in modern world by translating the Bible into the English language. The first time the Bible had ever been translated into the English language. And Coverdale was hunted out and persecuted because he dared to put the Word of God in the language of the people. 177 years ago today, Abnorm Judson and his wife, Anne, sailed for India. The first missionaries from America to go beyond our shores to carry the glorious gospel. Now all of these were used by God for revival. And in each of their lives, this prayer we have prayed this morning had much to do with their spiritual pilgrimage and going forward. Jesus taught us that if we're to be effective in our lives, then we have to have an openness between our heart and God's heart. An openness that means forgiveness. Forgiveness from Him. Forgiveness by Him. Forgiveness to others. Someone has said that for us to pray effectively, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, would mean that we need to remember, first of all, that we're a sinner. We're not going to pray that prayer unless we realize that there is sin in our lives and we need to be forgiven. So many times we glibly go through that model prayer and we just pray it. I used to hear some minister get on the radio in Louisville and see how many times he could quote that scripture. 
in a 15-minute broadcast, assuming, I guess, that there's great profit by giving that passage over and over again. But that passage is meaningless unless we take the words and realize what we're saying. That scripture says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're not going to pray that effectively until we realize that we ourselves are debtors. That we have sin in our lives. Sin is a terrible monster. Eats away in our spiritual life stream. Prayer is God's releasing the energy of God into our lives to enable us to deal with these things. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. Psalm 66, 8. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalm 51, 17. Hannah Moore said, prayer is not eloquence, but earnestness. Victor Hugo said, there are moments when whatever the attitude of the body, the soul is on its knees. John Greenleaf Whittier said, every chain that spirits wear crumbles in the breath of prayer. And concerning forgiveness, Jean Paul Richter said, humanity is never so beautiful as when praying for forgiveness or else when forgiving another. And Frederick Robertson said, we win by tenderness, we conquer by forgiveness. Charles Simmons said, there is a noble forgetfulness that which does not remember injuries. There's an African proverb that says, he who forgives ends the quarrel. And someone said the best way to get even is to forget. John Greenleaf Whittier, one of the great poets, was once severely and deeply wronged and hurt. He thought long and hard about forgiving that person, and he did forgive. Many years later, while walking through a country churchyard, he wrote these words over a, a mound. My heart was heavy, for its trust had been abused, its kindness answered with foul wrong. So turning gloomily from my fellow men one summer Sabbath day, I strolled along the green mounds of the village burial place where pondering how all human love and hate find one sad level, and how soon or late wronged and wrongdoer each with meekened face and cold hands folded over a still heart past the green threshold of our common green, I awed myself and pitying my race depart. Our common sorrow like a mighty wave swept all my pride away and trembling, I forgave. Amen. Dear friends, one of the hardest things among Christians is even to acknowledge that we don't forgive. 
We are grudge bearers. Someone wrongs us, and we wear a polite, courteous face on the outside, but deep inside, we hold that grudge. Ralph Waldo Emerson once remarked about a friend, his heart was as great as the world, but there was no room in it to hold the memory of a wrong. Jesus told the story in Matthew chapter 18 about a man who owed a huge debt, $10 million. And the man was brought before the king, and the man pled and said, I, I can't pay it right now, but would you be merciful to me and please let me pay that later. And the king was merciful and forgave him all of that debt. That man went out and found someone who owed him $2,000. And he got him by the throat and he had him arrested, had him put in prison until he would pay all that 2000 And the man pled and begged, but there was no mercy. The king learned about it, and he took the man who had owed the 10 million, but would not forgive the 2000 and put him in the place of the tormentors. Now Jesus told that story to say, every one of us has been forgiven a huge debt. We are sinners. And only by the grace and love and power of God are our sins forgiven. And when someone has sinned against us, how wise are we to immediately forgive before they even ask to reach out in love and forgiveness. We as Christians are grudge bearers. And perhaps one of the greatest problems in the Lord's church that prevents revival, God's people holding little things in our hearts against one another. Everyone can be hurt, everyone has been hurt. There's not a person within the sound of my voice today who could not say somewhere along the line, I've been injured, I've been run over, I've been taken advantage of, I've been hurt. Nations can be hurt. Japan inflicted a mortal wound on America on December the 7th, 1945. We were deeply hurt. You go to Honolulu today and Pearl Harbor and you can look down and see that huge ship with thousands of our men buried in a perpetual tomb and tears naturally would come to our eyes. And those men who served in World War II felt the hurt and the agony of awful thing that Japan did to inflict that hurt upon America that almost caused us our nation and our liberty and our freedom. But America has forgiven Japan. I noticed that when Hirohito died and they announced his funeral, I believe for next week, 
There were some people in England who tried to bring a lawsuit to keep the English royalty from sending a representative to the funeral of Hirohito. They said, Japan hurt England, hurt America, hurt the world, and we haven't forgotten it. The Queen of England's response, the hurt was there, but we have forgiven. Nations can be hurt. Germany hurt America, but we have forgiven. And there's a relationship, a fellowship between Germany and America today. Cities can be hurt. In 1937, the Ohio River raised its ugly head against Louisville and almost inundated that city. Many of us who lived in that city at that time had to evacuate and go to other places. Our family had to go to Ohio. But it wasn't so long after that hurt that the river was back in its banks. Flood walls were being built and no one said, let's drain the river dry so it will never hurt us again. In the spring of this year, we may be in for another hurt from the floodings, but those floodings go down and there is a forgiveness. A number of years ago, terrible tornadoes swept through Kentucky. That tornado leveled the city of Brandenburg. I had been there in a revival meeting at the Baptist church. That church was literally destroyed. Now people could get mad at nature. They could get mad at God and say, if that's the kind of God we serve, we're just gonna give up, curl up and not die. They could not do that. Nature was forgiven. The tornadoes subsided. The floods subsided. And life went on. Families can be hurt. Sometimes there is someone in a family, they call them a dark sheep, black sheep. If anything can go wrong, it goes wrong in that person's life. And they make a mess of things. I knew of a family like that some years ago in our city. One of the persons had sort of shamed the entire family. And then mother was dying and she told the others of the family, please send for Bill. I want him to be here and tell him that I forgive him with all my heart and I reach out in love to Bill's heart. When the funeral came, Bill was there and the family was put back together. You see, churches can be hurt and wounded. People can subtract from the church their love and their loyalty and their support and their faith and their fidelity and their tithes and their loyalty. But oh, how precious when all that is put back in place and God's people called by his name humble ourselves and turn back to him and ask his cleansing and forgiveness. Individuals can be hurt. Sometimes we hold those grudges. 
But when we withhold forgiveness, this causes us littleness and lack of growth and leanness of spirit and laziness and a life of bitterness. Now Jesus said, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses against him. For us to pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Number none, number one, we need to we need to know we're a sinner. We need to know that we've hurt others. We need to know that we stand in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And we need to to know that. Secondly, for us to pray this, we must be willing to forgive others. We have to have a heart that reaches out and says, Lord, I forgive. I forgive. I don't want to ever hold in my heart something against another. I think if God's church, beginning with the smallest little boy and girl, and going through the teens, and the young adults, the young marrieds, and the older folks, if we could learn to forgive, so many things would be different. I read the other day about a minister who changed the way he performed weddings. And he added in the marriage ceremony, not only I will honor and cherish and respect, but I will forgive. And probably the greatest thing that could happen in marriages today is if a husband would forgive his wife, if a wife would forgive her husband, and there would just be a reach out that says, I'm not going to hold grudges and bitterness. I know you failed. I know you made tragic, tragic disloyalties, but I'm going to reach out and love and forgive. Jesus said, if ye forgive men their trespasses against you, your heavenly Father will forgive your trespasses against him. Somehow that, that forgiveness is conditioned on our willingness to forgive. I don't believe we can get God's forgiveness and cleansing unless there is a willingness in our heart to forgive others. And who knows but what the greatest revival the city of Bowling Green has, could ever have had and has ever had would result if today every man, woman, boy, and girl within the sound of our voice would lay down his grudge those little bitter feelings, those little hurts that are there. Well, they come. We may deny they're there, but they're there. And if we would just reach out and say, I know you, and I know there must have been circumstances that must have led to what happened in your life, and I want to reach out and love you and forgive you. If ye forgive men their trespasses against you, your heavenly Father will forgive your trespasses against him. 
There's one third thing that we must have if we're going to pray this effectively. Not only must we remember that we're a sinner, and not only must we be willing to forgive other people, but we must be sure we have His forgiveness, the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an awful thing to go through life with a terrible separation between the heart and God. I feel that I'm speaking to people this morning here in the auditorium and within the sound of my voice by radio who may have permitted something to separate between you and God. The Bible says that sin is a separator. It separates fellowship, separates friends, it separates families, it separates married couples, it separates brothers and sisters, sometimes it separates in the church. But sin does worse than that. Sin separates between you and God. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of this sin is death in hell, forever separated from God in a place that Jesus called hell, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> and if we will reach out and believe that what God did when He went to the cross in Jesus Christ was enough, He who knew no sin actually became the accursed thing. He became the sin. He became the dirty rag in our lives. He became that awful thing that separates between us and God. He became it. And he took it all on himself. And while he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus died. And it was his blood that was efficacious to cover our sins. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from not some of our sins, but all of our sins. So if you're within the sound of my voice today and you have guilt, you have sin, you have something inside of you that reaches out and says, Oh God, I want this thing removed. God will do it. For though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1.18. Scudder tells the story of a man, and I've told you before, I like the story. A man who had wronged his parents, wronged his family, wronged his community. He was guilty of a gross gross sins. He was not respected at all. Finally, he was gone from his community for many, many years. And then he wanted to come home and see his parents. But he knew that his, he had shamed his parents. And he felt that he would not be welcome. They had not written him. They had not visited him. He thought perhaps it was because they were uneducated and 
poor and maybe didn't have the means to come and see him or even write him. But he longed so to see them again. And he wrote them a little note and said, I'm coming on the train. And if you forgive me and would be willing to see me again, would you tie a little white ribbon on the old apple tree in front of the house? And when the train comes by, if I see that little bow on the apple tree, I'll know that that's a sign you've forgiven me and I can come home to see you. If the bow is not there, I'll understand and I'll go on and I'll probably never see you again. Well, as he got closer and closer on the train to that little village where his folks lived, he was very nervous and very depressed. The man sitting next to him on the train recognized this nervousness and depression. And finally the man told him about it. And the kind friend on the train said, well, let me switch places with you and I'll sit by the window. And I'll watch out the window. And when we come to that place, you, you tell me about where it is. And I'll then tell you whether there's a ribbon in the tree. And so they came and they got closer and closer. The boy said, it's just around the curve now, and I just can't even bear to look. And so the boy closed his eyes, and the man looked out the window. And in a moment, that man put his hand on the boy's hand and said, it's all right, son. Look out the window. The apple tree was filled, not just with one little bow, but every branch on that tree had a bow indicating forgiveness and cleansing. I want to tell you, that's what God does. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If we forgive men their trespasses against us, our Heavenly Father will forgive our trespasses against Him. Let's close our eyes in prayer a moment, please. <clears throat> With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anyone here who deep inside of his heart has something against someone else. They've hurt you. Would you just reach out and say, Lord, I forgive with all my heart because I know you have forgiven me. I forgive them. And then, beloved friend, are you aware that God has a weight against you? A weight of sin, a weight of iniquity. And would you just reach out and say, Lord, I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me and save me. And I claim thy forgiveness. And I ask you for Jesus' sake to be my Lord and my Savior. Our Father, I thank you for these dear godly people who have put up with this raspy voice today. We pray that the Spirit of God would move across heartstrings 
And may someone who has never been saved turn to Christ. And may all of God's people have a spirit of forgiveness toward each other. And Lord, don't let one person leave here today with that awful burden of sin clenched around his heart. But may he just kneel before Calvary and give it to Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Number, 200, number 252. This great hymn, Come Then, Come Every Soul by Sin Oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. This is God's invitation. If you're here and you have the burden of sin in your life, whatever it is, take it to Jesus. You may be able to do that right where you stand. As a Christian, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can confess that sin right where we are. Just reach out and give it to the Lord. If you've never come to confess Jesus openly as your Savior, you're not a Christian, not a professing Christian. You're not sure if you died today you'd go to heaven. I want to ask you to come. I would like to meet you down here and just say, I want to give my life to Christ today. God help you to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. There are some who have been saved but who have not yet been baptized. Would you come today and say, I want to do what God wants. I love Him with all my heart and I don't want to hold back on what He tells me to do. While we pray, while we sing, will you do what Jesus tells you?